Don't make it weird. It's just how it is. I'll be doing that. Um, so I, I wanna share for a few moments with you. Now, please bear with me on this uh, because um, I, I, was, I was really like nervous coming in here. Uh, not nervous, but a little bit apprehensive because I spent two days writing a message and then I got to this afternoon and I felt like God told me to change it. So that was awesome. So I, <laughs> here's why I wasn't kind of hanging out in the foyer when you showed up. I was busy getting the last few thoughts down on paper. And uh, I'm, I'm praying that, listen, uh, it doesn't even matter because God's so here and He's already done a whole bunch of stuff. And so whatever I say, it, you're not gonna remember anyway because God's already spoken to you. But I, I, I'm, I, I really, I really, really wanna say, I, I, I hope the heart of God comes through here. I hope the heart, our heart comes through in this. And I hope this encourages you, inspires you in some way um, to really keep pressing into God and keep doing what you are doing in here, keep doing that. Whatever that is, just do that again. Because that was like what we just did in that worship and what we just experienced and what God just did in that moment was amazing. I, I, um, there's, very, there's moments, right? That when you're in church life for a long time, and this is 19 years for me, when you're in church for a long time and being on ministry, now this is my 17th year on staff. Like I've done a lot of church and there's moments where you know the tangible presence of God is in a room and, it, and you're like, this is incredible. And tonight was one of those moments. This is gonna go in my journal as one of those moments with God. And I hope you didn't miss that. And, and if you did, don't worry, because we're gonna do it again at the end. And, and I just pray you just taste and see that He's so good and that He loves you so much. And, and, and let's set the, a new climate in the life of our church. And I wanna speak, I'll speak to some of that a little bit uh, in this here. So on a Sunday, you only normally get three-point messages. Well, tonight, you're getting a 26-point message. Come on, don't tell me you don't get anything at heart and soul. I bet you've never heard a 26-point message before. I've never given one before. So I hope you've got time. No, I'm just playing. It's, it is a 26-point message, um, but will hopefully not be too, too long. I'm gonna, I'm gonna breeze through a bunch of stuff and I'm gonna... I'm, I'm going with a shotgun effect. Like I'm just gonna throw a whole bunch of stuff out and I just hope something sticks at you. And, and you know, it's like when David went to fight Goliath, why did he take five stones? I think he was like, well, if one misses, I'll have another go and I'll just throw him until something hits him. So I'm kind of taking the David v. Goliath route here where I'm just gonna chuck a whole bunch of stuff at you. Hopefully something sticks and God speaks to you in somewhere in that. Uh, but, but my heart is this, like, it's like when you read Scripture, you read a whole bunch of words, but sometimes one word just gets you. And God just speaks to you in one part. And uh, so my prayer tonight is that in the 26 things I'm about to share with you, that maybe one of them is, has the, the touch of God on it for you. Maybe one of these God's just like, man, I'm sparking that inside your heart. Or maybe this starts a bit of a fire or shifts something in, in, your, in your mind, mind frame, your paradigm, whatever it is. Uh, and uh, just be open to whatever God might do. And because uh, I think if we're really gonna continue to step forward into what God has for us as a church, we have to align ourselves personally and as a church with the heart of God for us. We need to live His way. Now kind of live the lives that God is calling us to live. And so I wanna read today out of Romans chapter 12. And uh, it's, I've called it uh, Paul's Marks of a True Christian. So in Romans chapter 12, Paul gives a list and I categorize these into 26 things. 
These are 26 marks of a true Christian. And uh, these, I think, are 26 things that we should, should all aspire to, we should all work towards. But I think even more so collectively, I think these are 26 things that as a church we should pursue because if we're gonna really transform this world for Jesus Christ, then we need to be in line with the kind of marks of a life that would indicate that we're followers of Jesus Christ. So we kind of need to live a life personally, individually, corporately as a church that looks like this. And it's very countercultural. It's very different, but it's an incredibly powerful way to live. I'll, I'll read the passage uh, from Romans 12, starting in verse number nine. It is on the screen, and uh, then we'll go from there. I've called it Paul's marks of a true Christian. Here we go. He starts with this, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and, to see, uh, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 26 marks of a true Christian. And what I would say is 26 things we should pursue as a church if we're gonna truly impact this world. I wanna unpack that. I'm gonna smash through some of these. I'm gonna linger on some of them. Like I said, I hope some sticks, all right? Pray for me in Jesus' name. First thing he says there is this, let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. I, I can't help myself but embarrass my children. It's like, I feel like it's God's grace on my life just to make my kids' lives a total embarrassment. I've been dreaming of this day since my first child was born. I'm like, man, this is gonna be amazing. I'm just gonna mess with him. He's gonna be so embarrassed. I drop him off at school and I'm like, I love you, buddy. He's like, I love you too, Dad. And then as he gets further away, I say it a little bit louder. I love you, buddy. I love you too, Dad. And then he gets a little bit closer to school. I start shouting it. Love you. Hey, I love you. Like this. And he's like, shh, Dad. No, Dad. We're going to assembly. He's going up for an award. I'm into it, man. I'll, I'll mouth it. I'll draw big hearts from the back of the room. I'll do it all, man. I was embarrassing. He's like, Dad, don't do that anymore. I'm like, why? Do you not want me to love you? He's like, no, I, I, I want that. I said, well, what do you want me to do then? I can't help what's inside of me. It has to come out. This love. Do you want me to say I hate you? No, I don't want that. Well, what do you want me to say then? Well, you can say you love me, but, I'm, but, I'm, but you, don't want, you don't want me to say that I love you. He said, you can say it, but just don't say it at school. I can't help myself. I have this, this genuine love for my family, this genuine love. Like, I know I embarrass them, but man, it's, it's like, I've got this genuine love. And 
And here's the truth, if we're as a church gonna make a difference for the kingdom's cause, we have to live with a genuine love. I'm not saying we embarrass everybody, I'm just saying we're gonna be genuine in our love. We can't be false, we can't be fake, we can't say we love this world and not really love them. We've gotta be genuine in our love. We're gonna be genuine, the Bible said, uh, Jesus said the two greatest commandments is love God and love people. Uh, We have to be genuine in our love for God. My heart is that we would be a church with a relentless pursuit in our love for God. That like tonight, you're like, you're, Tonight was an example of loving God with reckless abandon, with just the, I'm digging into Him. Man, man, I'd love for us to have the heart which goes beyond just heart and soul, but into every service, every prayer meeting, everything we do, where we really love God, we're pressing into Him. Let's really pursue Him with hunger and in our worship and the time we come and sing. Let's, like, let's really lean into what God is doing. Let's not let a moment pass us by. Let's not let a service go by where we're not really going declaring our love for God. A genuine love, a genuine love. We love Him because He first loved us. When you discover how much God really loves you, your response is always to love back. When you really figure out, man, God loves me so much, man, my heart just goes, Father, I love you. And it's a genuine love and that love overflows when we know He loves us and we love Him. What happens is our love for everybody else increases. And this is genuine love, not not a love for, for our own sake because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is not self-sinking. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not after what's in it for me. Love is about what's in it for you. Love is about giving stuff away and blessing somebody. We, we, I, I love for this church to be known for its great love for people. That people think, when people think of Elam, they think, man, they love people. They love people. They genuinely love people. Like when someone walks in our doors of our church on a Sunday morning, I'd love for them to feel like they're loved, not because of what they can do for us or how much money's in their bank account or what gifts they might possess, but they're loved because they're them. Like when you walk in the doors of our church, like we love you because you're you. We love you because you got intrinsic value because you're created in divine image. That's why we love you. We love you because you're one of God's children. We love you because you were made. That's why we love you. We don't love you because you're good. We don't love you because you're ready. We don't love you because you're all together. We don't love you because you've got life figured out. We love you because you're you. And I pray that would be the heart of our church is that there's a genuine love for people. Like we love our community, not because our community's perfect, our community's a mess. And like, that's because it's the world. The world is a mess, right? And our love is not based on what they do. Our love is based on who they are. And so a genuine love that overflows in our heart and our mind and what we do we, we, like, we, let's not see, when people come to our church, let's not see them as projects. When, when a new neighbor moves in next door to you, they're not a project. They're not like an evangelism project where you've got to start telling them about how much God loves them. No, you just got to love them. They're a person, not a project. So our, our goal in our heart is always love, genuine love. That's the first mark of a true Christian. I think that's the first mark of a godly vibrant, healthy, growing church is a church that has genuine love, a genuine love for God and all that we do. I love our worship team. It's like, I challenge you to go to any other church in New Zealand or around the world and find another worship team that loves God like these guys do. They are absolutely amazing. Come on, put your hands together. Bless them. I'll tell you what, they've got a heart and a love for God like very few possess. There's a lot of good musicians in this world, but there's not many of them that love God like these guys do. And I'm so thankful for them. I'm so blessed by them. Number two, it says, abhor evil. And uh, if we're gonna make a difference for the kingdom of God, we have to have a holy disdain for what is evil in this world. 
We have to have this discontentedness with tolerating evil in our own lives and in our world. We have to be the kind of people that have this stand where they go, look, we're not, we're not okay with that. We're not okay with that. We're not okay with that in my life and in the lives of those in this church. Look, we've got to be a people that are like, man, we do, that their word of Paul means to, to hate or to, uh, I've got it written down here, means to detest, to hate, to loathe or despise evil. Friends, can I encourage you, if we're gonna really be the church that God calls us to be, we can't be the kind of people that dance with evil or hang around evil or like play with evil or tolerate evil or walk on the edge of evil. We're the kind of people that, that abhor evil, that detest it, that hate it, that don't want anything to do with it. Like, let's be the kind of people that desire the things of God more than the things of this world. If there's one thing that will stop us being salty, it's being part in the world and part for God. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about when He says, how, what a good is salt if it loses its saltiness. It's when people are kind of half here and half there, there's no flavour to you. You say something, but you don't have a taste. Like you talk about this Jesus, but you don't taste like Jesus. You, you, you talk about Him and you sing about Him, but you don't have that kind of flavour on you. That's because you're still dancing with evil. But Bible's telling us here that if we're gonna be the kind of church that goes after what God has for us, we've gotta disdain from it, resist from it, get away from it. If there's evil in your life right now, you're looking at it, seeing it, hearing it, get it, get it out of your life, don't, don't do that. Desire what is God. Number three, hold fast to what is God. We're only at three and we've got 23 to go. Amen. To it, number three. Hold fast to what is good. Um, a few months ago, I cooked porridge and then I left it on the bench overnight in the bowl. I'll tell you what, if they ever run short of concrete in this world, <laughs> porridge is a great substitute. Like it took chisels, hammers, laser cutters, could not get that porridge off the edge of that bowl. I mean, that, that was stuck there for good. We had to just throw the bowl away. It's like, it's no good. It's holding fast, people. It's holding fast to that bowl. Friends, the, 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 Paul's saying here, if you wanna really follow Jesus, if you wanna show the true mark of that, if you wanna be the kind of church that shows that, then hold fast to good. Hold fast to good. Don't hold fast to anything else, but hold fast to good. I, I pray that we'll be a church that is known for what we are for, not what we're against. Let's hold fast to what's good. Let's be for what's good. Let's be for what's right. Not about what's wrong and what we hate and what we're against. No, no, no. Let's be what we're for. Let's hold fast to what's good. The, the Bible teaches that every good thing comes from God. If it's good, it's from God. And, and so it, often in our, even our Christian lives and our walk with God, we can start to hold fast to, thing, to just negativity. We can become the kind of people who are negative naysayers all the time and everything's negative and everything's doom and gloom and oh, da, da, and oh, da, da. don't hold to negative hold to what's good you got to believe that God is good and what God does is good and that what God has for your life is good so hold on to what's good what good are you if you're just negative about everything in this world it's like what kind of a witness, what kind of a, a, a thing are we setting out to people? Let's be the kind of people that hold fast to good and do good, keep doing good. I know doing good can be a bit of a pain sometimes because doing good's not always convenient. But doing good, the Bible says, if you persist in doing good, continue to do good, that you will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Sometimes we can give up doing good too early. There's a harvest waiting for you if you just don't give up doing good. So hold fast to what is good. Number four, love one another with brotherly affection. I don't know what your affection was like to your brother, 
but I'm not sure mine was too brotherly. I have an identical twin brother. Most of our lives, it was not brotherly. And, uh, but Paul's saying here like, hey, if you wanna really be an ambassador for Christ, you wanna be the kind of person that shows the mark of a Christian, you gotta, you gotta have brotherly love for one another. It's like, it's more than just friendly love, it's like you're now family to me. And the thing about my brother is that although we didn't like each other all the time growing up and we didn't agree with each other all the time growing up and we didn't always get on with each other growing up, we always had each other's back. We all always believed the best in each other, fought for the best in each other and championed each other along the way. We had a brotherly love, a brotherly affection. And in church life, we're not always gonna get on We're not always gonna have the best time we could possibly have, but we have to have a brotherly affection for each other where I love you and I love you and I love you. It's deeper than just a friendship love. It's like, I love Dan like he's my brother. I love Adrian like he's my brother. I love Zachary like he's my brother from another mother because he kind of looks like that now with his nice new haircut. The anointing has come. (laughs) But there's a a love that goes now beyond just we we are, affiliated with each other, we're now blood. You're now a brother to me and I will fight for you and I'll fight for the best in you and I'll believe the best in you. There's a brotherly affection now, a love that is far more than just relationship. It's now you're part of my family now as well. There's a fierce loyalty and now I'm committed to loving you through thick and thin. It's brotherly affection. We're gonna be committed to loving each other through thick and thin. Church life is not always gonna be easy. We're not always gonna be on these like massive, amazing times. But there's gonna be times where it's tough for you and it's tough to get on with each other. But a brotherly affection says, hey, when this is all rubbish and we're hating each other, guess what? I still love you with a brotherly affection. I'm still believing the best. I'm still gonna speak the best. I'm still gonna call the best out on you and champion you and have you back along the way. Number five, outdo one another in showing honour. And I wanna spend just a little bit more time than the other bits on this. Outdo one another in showing honour. I really, I really hope that as a church, we can grasp the bigness of the power that is in honour. Honour is this amazing biblical principle that actually unlocks the supernatural power of God in a place. And I'm gonna unpack that a little bit so you know what I mean. And I think if we're ever gonna be the church we dream of being, and I'm not saying we're not great now, but I've always, I'm like the visionary leader guy. I'm like, always better, always more, always more. But if we're gonna continue to really continue to make a difference in this community and see God's power manifest, like why tonight did something happen and shift in the spiritual atmosphere in this room that didn't happen on Sunday? Why? Here's a little reason why this whole idea of honor. There's this passage of scripture in the book of Mark where Jesus goes to his hometown, Mark chapter six, and he goes to his hometown and it says as he's there teaching, this is Jesus, the son of God, the same guy that's raising people from the dead and healing people and doing all kinds of miracles, full on power stuff. He goes into his hometown and he's teaching and people say, yo, isn't that just Joseph's son? Isn't that so-and-so's brother? Hey, isn't that just the guy we grew up with? They start saying words like, hey, isn't that just so-and-so? And so what happens is Jesus is actually restricted from performing any mighty miracles. I'll read it here to you. It says this. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are these not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. 
But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives and in his own house. Now, listen to this, now he could do no mighty work there. It didn't say he wouldn't do it. It said he couldn't do it. He could do no, like, where else do you read in Scripture where the power of God is restricted? Where Jesus is restricted from moving in power. He could not do any mighty work there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And then he went about villages in a circuit teaching. It's a powerful message, powerful scripture, because Jesus himself is withheld from performing any mighty miracles because there was a lack of honor. When you treat something without honor, you treat it as common, ordinary, nothing special. And when you see Jesus and you go, he's nothing, he's ordinary, he's nobody special, you're withholding honor where honor is due. And what happens is it positions you in a place of unbelief. So you don't believe he can do what he says he can do or what have you been told he can do. And so then you have a collective atmosphere that lacks faith. There's no expectation. There's no faith in a room so Jesus can't move without honor. And listen, I've, I really believe, as a, I don't believe Jesus didn't wanna do a mir- any massive miracles. I reckon he wanted to. But we can see this in a church where we can, like what we have here is amazing, but we can start, when we've been here a while, start to see it as common. And, and when you grow up with people in church and you've been around people in church and some people move in different giftings or start to get elevated in position, you can start to see people and go, oh, that's just Dan, the guy who leads worship. Oh, this is just Sunday church. Oh, this is just our worship team. Oh, this is just the guy that's gonna come bring the Word. And automatically, you've just taken something that should be held with honour and made it common and made it ordinary. And your faith has now gone from here to zero. There's a level of unbelief. And so God might wanna move, but He doesn't because God moves in response to faith. So that's when you have a church where a few miracles happen here and there, but God wants to pour out, but He can't. And I don't ever wanna be the kind of church that misses out on the full power of God in our midst to move and do the miraculous and see people transformed and healed and, and, and whatever God wants to do. I don't want that to be restricted because we just don't honour. And so, and so Paul is saying here that we have to be like, go above and beyond in showing honour to one another. Let's be the kind of church that honours people who share the Word. Let's be the kind of church that honours this uh, Sunday and when we come to church, It's not just another church service. It's a moment to come with the saints with faith and to meet with God. That's why, that's why tonight blew up. That's why tonight blew up. That's why you were crying in worship. That's why you couldn't stand and you had to get on your knees. That's why, why? Because you all came with faith because tonight was different. Heart and soul was different. And so you came with an expectation. You came with a faith. You came with a sense of honor for what we were creating here. Bring it on Sunday. Bring it on Sunday. Bring it everywhere you go. Come with a sense of honor and and an attitude and a heart to honor those who are serving you and doing what they do. Let's never treat this as ordinary because every single service could be extraordinary if we just honor what God is doing. Come on. 
Let's outdo each other in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal. Point number six, do not be slothful in zeal. I love that word, slothful. Just get this image of the little creature that hangs off the slothful. They're so cute, by the way. If you've ever seen a baby sloth, change your life. Do not be slothful in showing zeal. Did you know that the word enthusiasm comes from the Greek word entheos, which literally means in God. You can't be in God and not be enthusiastic. You can't be in God and be slothful in zeal. When you come to know the Creator of the universe and you get endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit, you cannot help but be a little bit enthusiastic for the things of God in Jesus' Name. I love Manny, I love Manny. He can hard, he, he struggles to walk, but he's the most passionate, faithful, <laughs> zealous person in the room. And Theos, he's, he's in God, there's an enthusiasm. That's, listen, that's why as a church we celebrate, man. That's why we lift up our voices. That's why we praise. That's why we shout. That's why we clap. That's why we sing. That's why we yell out amens and we hoop and we holler. It's not because we're weird. It's because we're not slothful in zeal. That's why. Don't be slothful in zeal. You can't, listen, you can't, you can't know Jesus and be like, oh yeah. Like, you can't. You just won the cosmic lottery. You get to go to heaven. You get a resurrected body. You got the hope of glory in you. Your sins are forgiven. Your debt is gone. You're no longer paying a due that He paid for you. What are you so grumpy about? Don't be slothful in zeal. Number seven, be, be fervent in spirit. The, the opposite to being slothful in zeal is being fervent in spirit. Being stirred up, being passionate, be fired up, be stirred for the things of God and the things of His Spirit. Someone with a fervent spirit is, is someone who's passionate. Someone with a fervent spirit, you know our fervent spirit is infectious. Like you get around someone with a fervent spirit for God, someone who's passionate for God, you can't help but catch a little bit of that off them. It's like, it's like a communicable disease. Like you just, you get around them, it's gonna get you. You, you can't get immunised from it. There's no inoculation. You get around someone who's passionate for Jesus. I guarantee you, you'll walk away going, I'm a little bit more pumped about Jesus. And I'm telling you, there's a couple of types of Christians that come to church. There's wet blankets and there's fire starters. And I wanna be a fire starter in the house of God. I wanna be the kind of person, like when you come to church and you come hang out with me, I hope you go away a little bit on fire. I hope you, maybe you just smell a smoke or something like that. I'm trying to quit. I'm down to three packs a day. Look, I, I, I hope you do. I hope. I really hope you do. I hope you, you, you come to church and you walk away a little bit more fired. I, I hope when you come to church, you see yourself as someone who can be fervent in spirit. And so when you come to worship, your worship, your fervour for the things of God, your passion as you worship, you start to catch the person next to you on fire and they're going, oh, I better jump in too because it's starting to take over me. Yeah, I hope that when you... When you're sitting in church and, and, and the preacher's preaching at, like I am now really, really well and, 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 and you hear a good point. 
David encouraged himself in the Lord. And you hear a good point. You don't sit there and go, mm-hmm. You go, yes, amen. And the next person goes, oh, yes, amen. Like, why? Because it's a bit infectious. And you can either be a fire starter or a wet blanket. You can either put fires out or you can get them cranking. Let's be a church that cranks up the heat in the place. Come on. It's going way better than I thought, actually. Number eight, serve the Lord. Number eight, serve the Lord. We're only at eight, good Lord, carry on. <laughs> serve the Lord. We, we really, there, there is a gift on your life. Let's be a church that always activates the gifts of people. Let's be a church that doesn't just throw you into staff, but let's be a church that goes, hey, there's a gift on you, there's a grace on you, you're made with a purpose, you're made for a difference. Let's get you into your spot so you can really come alive. But don't just church, don't just serve them on Sunday. Like we honoured all our serve teams, you do an amazing job, but don't just serve them on Sunday, serve them on Monday. Say, God, show me what you want me to do today. Show me my purpose where I am. Show me my purpose where, where you've placed me. Number nine, rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. You may not always have external reasons to rejoice, but I just mentioned some internal reasons to rejoice. You can rejoice in the hope of resurrection. You can rejoice in the hope of brand new life. You can rejoice in the hope that His promises don't fail. You can rejoice in the hope that He's forgiven you and He never leaves you nor forsakes you. You can rejoice in some kind of hope. Let's be a church that finds joy anytime. Not because of what's happening around us, not because of what's happening to us, because of what He's done in us. Always rejoice in hope. There's always hope, friends. There's always hope. No matter what situation, no matter how dark it is, there is always hope. If e- Listen, even if that hope is heaven, even if that hope is heaven, you might be on your last breath. What have I got to hope for? You got something great to hope for. I love what Billy Graham says. You'll hear one day the news go out that the Reverend Billy Graham has died. Don't you believe that for a second. I'll be more alive than I've ever been, he says. There's hope no matter what you're going through. There's hope. Rejoice in hope. Number 10, be patient in tribulation. When things aren't working out, friends, be patient. Things aren't always gonna work out. Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He's overcome it for you. Things aren't gonna always work out. But listen, don't throw in the towel. When things are tough here, don't give up. When things aren't great in church, Don't throw on the towel. Don't abandon your faith. Don't run out on us. Like, be patient in the tribulation. Let's Listen, in the tomb is where God did His greatest miracle. In that place of death and despair and hopelessness, that's the place that God did His greatest miracle. Number 11, be constant in prayer. I really believe that God's been stirring me over the last 12 months that if we're gonna see what He sees for us be a reality, we have to activate prayer in a level and a way we've never done before. Let's be a church that persists in prayer, goes after God in prayer. I wanna encourage you at a personal level, build a prayer life, build a life of, of devotion and connection with God. If You, you know, many people come to church and I, I know because I was in there for a season where you come to church and you do the church thing, but you actually don't talk to God. Like you actually don't have this personal relationship. The beauty of Christianity is that you can personally know Him. That's the most wonderful thing ever. And don't, don't just come to church, know Him and, and get to know Him. And some of you, I wanna, I wanna stir you to start to activate again the gift of speaking in tongues and praying in tongues like you used to do, but you don't do it anymore. 
You're probably like my old friend Dave Hall says, you're a bit like a rusty old lawnmower now. You gotta get started again. You gotta keep pulling that choke until you just start rolling it again. Don't neglect the gifts of God on your life. Fan into flames the gift of God on your life. If you've got it, use it. It's a powerful, powerful gift. Be constant in prayer. Number 12, contribute to the needs of the saints. If you wanna step into the full abundant life God has for you, understand the power of a generous spirit and a generous life. Number 13, seek to show hospitality. In other words, don't close your life off to other people. Don't close your Sunday church life off to other people who might sit next to you. When people come here, let's be the church that seeks out hospitality. Doesn't like accommodate hospitality. It's like, okay, I don't like you, but you're here, and I better, I better turn and say hi to my neighbour. You know, like, as you take your seat, say hi. Don't, don't just accommodate hospitality, but seek opportunities to be hospitable, seek out hospitality. Uh, uh, my heart is like this, if, for all of, most of you here, I'll, I'm just gonna assume this, most of you here, you're, you're Christians and you call this church home. If this is your home, then see it as your home. Like this is your home, this isn't my home. Everything here is yours. You pay for it all, by the way. The <laughs> seat you're sitting on, you paid for it. This microphone, it's yours. Please don't take it, we need it next week. But it's yours, it's all yours. So if this is your house, then when someone comes, let's host them. Let's make sure they're looked after. Let's make sure that when they come, that we're, we're, we're greeting them well, we're showing them to a seat, we're making them great coffee in the guest lounge. Let's make sure it's not awkward for them, but where they feel welcome and, and loved and involved and, and let's not like, you know, make them feel weird by, by asking questions like, how long have you been a Christian? They go, I'm not, you know, like, oh great. You know, like, Let's just start with what's your name? That's a good start. That's where I go. Seek to show hospitality. Can I encourage you guys to do something? Can, could, you, could you, in the next month, invite someone from church you don't know home for a meal? Do something like that. Um, not unless you're like a guy who lives alone and then you're like asking another, just be wise. If in doubt, talk to Pastor Colin, he'll help you <laughs> figure out the nuances of hospitality, okay. Number 14, bless those who persecute you. Never underestimate the power that's in your own blessing. Bless those who persecute you. Never underestimate the power of God to turn around a situation when you choose to respond with blessing, not cursing. 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Let's. Let's be a church that champions other people's success. Let's never be a tall poppy church that says, oh, so-and-so's gone far enough in their gifting. So-and-so, oh, they're just getting a bit too high and mighty for themselves, this person is. We need to bring them down a few pegs. Let's never be the church that, that, that pulls people down when they succeed. But let's be the church, when, someone, when God lifts someone in our church to a position or to something or to an opportunity, let's be the church that goes, that is awesome. We rejoice with their success. We lift them up as well. Uh, 
The reason we don't rejoice in others' success is because we believe that they got what we should have and that there's only one of it to go around. That's the lie you believe. God's bigger than one thing. Like I'm pretty sure God's got more blessings than the one He gave away to that one person. What about me? What about, oh, it's nice that you got it, but what about me? What about me? What about me? Here's a, here's a hint. Christianity following Jesus is about dying to you, not fighting for you. Okay, we got heavy. All right, 16. <laughs> weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Can, let's, let's be a church where it's okay not to be okay. Let's be a church where it's okay not to be okay. Like, I don't ever wanna be, like we're gonna rejoice, we're gonna celebrate, we're gonna go after the things of God. We believe in the bigness of God, we believe in His power, we believe in that He's good no matter what we go through, but we don't wanna ever be fake. And we don't ever wanna be false. And we, and we, we need to be a place where you can come and you don't have to be like, hey, how you doing? Oh, good brother, Lord is good, bless in Jesus' name, I'm just, Lord is good. And we can give these answers, which are just like masks for the hurt and the pain that's really going on. And so I would love for us to be a church where it's just okay not to be okay. Where when you're really not good, you can say, I'm not good. And people won't just go, oh, all the best. And like, you know, <laughs> where's someone who's rejoicing? I'm gonna hang out with them. Rejoice with those who rejoice over here. Let them weep over the corner. Like, let's, let's be okay with entering in to their pain with them for a moment. And because that's what happens when you weep with those who weep. You don't, you, it's empathizing, it's stepping into their situation and going, let me be with you here in this hard place, in this dark place. And let me connect you with people that are gonna love you and help you. It's called a small group who are gonna be with you in the midst of the hard and the pain and the not okay and you can be open, you can be honest. I know Sundays are hard to be like fully honest and fully open, but there is places that we can be. Let's be okay not to be okay. Number 17, live in harmony with each other. Let's, let's be a church that fights for harmony and fights for unity. The, the, the only time harmony works is when the voices are unified. There's a common goal, a common range, a common song and you all sing that unified, then you get good harmony. But you don't get harmony with disunity. And the, the way you get disunity is discord. And like when you, when you try and sing a song, if there's a great band playing a nice musical piece, it all works beautifully and it creates something amazing when there's harmony, when it's all working together, where there's unity. But as soon as someone starts playing another tune, another song, a chord out of place, it creates discord and it disrupts the whole thing. So what you were trying to create in the end never gets created because somewhere along the line, it got messed up with discord and disunity. And if there's one thing that I believe we should always fight for as a church, it's unity. Because the Bible says where the brothers dwell in unity, how blessed it is when brothers dwell in unity, for there God commands blessing. If we wanna live in God's commanded blessing, we have to fight for unity. We have to be like, man, we're not gonna allow discord and disunity and undermining and like just gossip and rubbish to disrupt what we're trying to create. We are not perfect. And no matter what team you're on, I can guarantee you it's not perfect. And I can guarantee you we could all be doing a better job, but that doesn't mean we can't do it with harmony. Fight for harmony.
Unity is blessing. Number 18, don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Number 19, never be wise in your own sight. Let's always be teachable. Let's always be correctable. Let's always be the kind of people that don't think we've made it, but we're okay to learn and grow and go on a nice journey together. Number 20, repay no evil for evil. We've already talked about this. If someone hurts you or wrongs you, the Jesus way is to go, that's great, you smacked me on the cheek. Here's the other one. You can have another go if you want. Oh, you wanna take away my jacket? Cool, here's my coat as well. I wanna, I'm, not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna play this game with you and fight evil with evil. I'm gonna actually respond in a whole different way than you thought I was going to respond. I had a question as I did this. Are you currently responding to somebody with evil rather than with good? Are you currently responding back to them with the, what they're giving you are you giving back what they're giving you because that's not the Jesus response? Number 21, give thought to and do what's honorable in the sight of all. Um, let's be a church that doesn't just ask what do I like, but what is best for everybody? Like, I know like church is full of people and we can often be quite, innately we're all very selfish and um, often we can start to think, well, what, what about me, what about me? I want it the way I like it, I like it the way I like it, let's do it the way I like it. But we have to be willing to step back and go, I'm gonna give thought to what's right in the sight of everybody, not just what I like and what I want and what I do. I'd suggest in your marriage that an issue, uh, an issue that might be causing tension is maybe that you're giving thought to what is honorable for you, not what is honorable for everybody. Great question to ask in your marriage along the way. Number 22, live peaceably with all as far as it depends on you. Uh, listen, just we've been watching some Married at First Sight. I tell you what, those girls know how to stir drama. Listen, don't stir drama. Live peaceably. If it's in your power to fix it, fix it. Number 23, never avenge yourself. We've, we've talked through this as well already. I've learned that along the way, when things go wrong, leave it in God's corner. He'll fight your corner. When you try and fight your own corner, you normally make a bigger mess. Just leave God to do what He's gonna do and uh, He will do that. Number 24, give your enemy food and drink. In other words, when someone comes in here that you don't like and don't agree with, the right response is to treat them as a friend, not an enemy. You give them food when they're hungry, drink when they're thirsty. There's gonna be people who come here to this church as we continue to grow and reach people that you'll see as potentially the enemy, treat them as a friend. Number 26, overcome evil with good. Oh, 25, 25, don't be overcome by evil, sorry. Thank you, mother-in-law. <clears throat> don't be overcome by evil. We're gonna move real fast. Ben, guys, can you join me? We're gonna, we're gonna finish real fast. Number 25, don't be overcome by evil. Can I say right now in the climate of our nation, don't be overcome by evil. Don't let what is going on cause you to think, God, stop being in control. Don't be overcome by evil. Don't, don't say, oh, this is all going great. No, 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 God's still on the throne. He's still in control. He still holds this world. Don't be overcome by the climate of this world. Don't be overcome by evil. Number 26, overcome evil with good. The greatest thing that you and I can do to overcome whatever this world throws at us and the evil that goes on around us, all the gnarliness and craziness and all kinds of stuff that's happening around us, 
the best thing we can do is keep being the church of Jesus Christ. Keep preaching the gospel, keep loving lost people, keep seeking after God with everything we've got and continue to do what is good, to fight the good fight. And that is the way we overcome evil. I'd love for us to stand together. 26 point sermon, come on. We've gone a little bit over time. That's what happens on 26.7. Imagine doing that three services in a row. Listen, I pray something stuck. Pray something did. But we're just gonna close with maybe just half a song or something like that just together Um, because I wanna honour your time because I know it's getting late. But um, what I wanna do is in this next little moment, this next two minutes that we have together, is set the climate again in this room for this weekend. And let's believe God together that what we've just done and what we've just talked about and the heart that God is building here would, would this, listen, this is, the, this is the room of the fire starters, right? This is the fire starter room. This many people in this room, there's 350 odd people in this room. You're not odd, you're just different. This, this many people, that's over 10% of our church in the room right now, like this many people in this room, you could change the face of what we see in this church and in doing so, change the face of our community. Come on, let's just lift our hands. Let's give, our, give all glory to God. Come on.